This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And welcome back to Sunday Morning Magazine. If you would like to find out more about our guests, more about the show, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and join the conversation there as well. You can also listen to the show anytime you like. Just head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. In the studio with me now, we're joined by Scott O'Reilly. Scott is Assistant Claremont County Prosecutor and Executive Director and Founder of Little Fork Family Advocacy Center. It's our pleasure to welcome Scott O'Reilly to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning, Scott. How are you? Very well. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, explain to us how you got involved in helping abuse children. Well, I've, I've been a prosecutor for almost 20 years now. I took an interest in uh, addressing child abuse cases specifically about 10 years ago, and now I supervise all of our sexual assault cases and domestic violence family abuse cases in Claremont County. The thing that really stuck with me is I've, I've put a lot of, of bad people in prison for the rest of their lives. Uh, I, I can do that component of it, but every time I walked out of court or walked away from a family, my concern was what actually happens to the family now. You know, what statistics show is that if you suffer from abuse and trauma as a child, that that stays with you the rest of your life if it's not adequately addressed. There's no strong statistics to show that it, it increases your risk of, of uh, medical complications in the future. It increases your risk of uh, being involved in the criminal justice system, increases your risk of being involved with drugs or being a suicide statistic. So I think my primary interest and concern was that a lot of the problems that we see in adulthood, and it's not, it makes common sense, but a lot of those problems stem from childhood trauma. I think what, what we do right now as a society is we're throwing a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of dollars into trying to help in the drug crisis specifically. You're talking about trying to change 30, 40, 50 year old individuals, and that's hard. Uh, that's a very hard task to, to fulfill. But if you ask them why they are the way they are, what brought them there, I think in a lot of cases, and this is what I see on a regular basis, and you can go to Hamilton County or Boone County or Claremont County, and you're going to see it. You've got these now adults who had very terrible family upbringings. They suffered trauma on a regular basis, and it, it just exhibits itself in the future. So let me ask you this, Scott, and you alluded to this as a prosecutor when you're trying these cases or after these cases are tried. I'm sure a lot of this sticks with you. You know, some of the trauma that you talk about in the courtroom about what these victims are going through. Are you then able to follow up or keep in touch with some of the families that you've worked with in the past? I try. You know, there are uh, and there's certain families that really stick with you. I mean, I mm-hmm. can I can tell you an anecdotal story. I was um trying a case in Adams County for their prosecutor's office. And there was a a young man out there who was abused. And and, uh, I can remember my colleague that I was trying the case with. The the individual was convicted at trial, got sentenced to multiple life sentences. And just as we're driving out of town, all we could think of is what's going to happen to this kid? Because several times when we talked to him, he was like working in his garage. Uh, and we do try to check up on him and his, his mother from time to time to see how things are going. Um, but he's not uncommon. I mean, they, they do these things, they they stick with you, which is really why I want to see this become a success too. 
Okay. So let's talk about this for um, let's talk about warning signs. What do we see when children are abused, whether it's physically or sexually or whatever, for those that that are out in the community and they want to help or they may see some, what should they be looking for? Or what are some of the more common signs you work with children? Sure. You know, there's a couple things that I would absolutely advocate for. Um, obviously, we have a, a lot of hard workers in Children's Protective Services. But what I would advocate for is if you suspect abuse, you, you can call Children's Protective Services, but also call law enforcement. Um, there's limits to what CPS can do. Uh, and obviously, this is why I think working collaboratively is so important. So if you're talking about warning signs, the front line of that is the school system. You know, these kids who, who go to school, if you're a teacher, if you're a principal, if you suspect something, if you really suspect that something's going on in that home, I would advocate that you call both CPS and law enforcement as well. Um, you know, it could be I've had cases where kids go to school and they're falling asleep in the middle of the day. You know, obviously teachers are concerned and, ups, you know, sometimes like why is this kid falling asleep? And then you dig a little deeper. Um, you know, I can remember a case where multiple they had multiple kids who were being abused every night. So they're not sleeping because they're being raped um, and they were going to school you know, ill-prepared and falling asleep. And it, it took a teacher to ask really extra questions. And once they were able to do that, these kids gave enough information to start the investigation. But that's that's the front line, really, is, is the school systems. Okay. Now, what about people? You know, sometimes you're afraid to get involved. You know, you may see some things, but you're afraid. People are, the, the average person, what if I'm wrong? You know, yeah. If you are concerned, I think we as a society have an obligation to help kids. I, I think everybody feels that way. Um, if you truly believe something's going on in a child's life, it benefits all of us to make sure that they're okay, even if even if you're wrong. And, and I mean, what we take a a painstaking amount of time to look at these cases when it comes to to criminal conduct. To bring it back to where Little Fork comes to you know comes in into play about six years ago i started uh kind of organizing all of these individuals different law enforcement uh people from claremont county a lot of different nonprofits, and we branched out and what we do which is different than a lot of counties is we actually do a case review um obviously the prosecutor's office gets to make the final call on whether something is charged or not but what you see is that maybe we need to do an extra amount of investigation. We've had other cases where we know that someone's a suicide risk. And if we didn't have those different partners, we couldn't address that aspect of it. I had a case that was coming up for trial three days before the trial. Um, this teenage girl was hospitalized because she'd started cutting herself. Um, we needed to get somebody because I knew the mother was not going to take her where she belonged. We needed to get somebody to go to that house and start counseling that girl became, before she became a statistic. And thankfully, because we had that collaboration, we were able to do that. All right. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. More information about the show can be found on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. You can head there and join the conversation there as well and like us there as well. We're speaking to Scott O'Reilly. He's assistant Claremont County prosecutor. He's here this morning to talk about a new venture that he's involved in. We'll talk about that a little bit later here in the show. 
Now, let's talk about some of the stats, the facts. What do we know are uh, what are some of the more common outcomes? And you, you spoke to this, but what do we know? What, what are the stats? What do they tell us? So in about, I think it was 1998, the first study came out about ACEs, which is uh, adverse childhood experiences. And, and it's really scored on one, one to ten. Uh, and it can be something as common as having a divorced parent to experiencing, you know, physical and sexual trauma, losing a parent, um, experiencing domestic violence in the house, even witnessing domestic violence in the house. But it's got 10 baseline scores. And what they started to find is as those number of ACEs, as they call them, increased, there's that direct statistical correlation with future drug use, future health problems, future criminal contacts, and suicide. And so it's a real easy scoring mechanism. You know, that's only obviously been around a little more than 20 years. We're just now grappling with this this data and trying to figure out, obviously, we've got these correlations, but now how do you use it? How do you address it? How do you fix that that linkage between diabetes and child trauma? And how do you, how do you address it? And this is where it does take a collaboration to do it. Okay. So you're talking a lot about collaboration. And so you are the executive director of and founder of a new facility that you hope to bring right here to Cincinnati. Tell us about this new facility. So uh, obviously we've been working on gathering partners. So the concept of the facility is that it's a a one-stop shop, so to speak. Okay. And the name of the facility is? is the Little Fork Family Advocacy Center. Okay. So this facility will have multiple partners so if you can think of a partner in greater Cincinnati that deals with childhood trauma, child abuse, parenting, uh, chances are they're a partner of ours. So this goes from Cincinnati Children's Hospital, which would deal with a lot of the medical needs, uh, initial social, social work and forensic interviews, to Beach Acres Parenting Center, to Child Focus to deal specifically with counseling needs, to the YWCA dealing with domestic violence, to St. Joe's Orphanage, to CASA. Uh, you know, so you've got everything from court-appointed advocates for these kids to law enforcement, to medicine, and to aftercare. So the thought being that no matter which aspect this family uh, is, is confronted with, this one specific place will be able to meet those needs and, and get that family help. So instead of having a parent have to be uh, faced with the, you know, living out and you'd say the country, cause this, this facility will help a lot of the more rural areas, having them have to drive down to Clifton to get medical attention, you know, right after a child, you know, this is not uncommon at all. You've got a child who discloses that a step parent mother's boyfriend uh, has just been raping them for a period of years well you can imagine how devastating that is for that family because what happens is now that mother has that child they're going to not be able to live in the same residence they're going to have to go find somewhere else to live they have to drive down to clifton to address the initial medical needs and psychological needs and then oftentimes they'll get a referral to go somewhere completely different or multiple referrals to go somewhere completely different so the concept of this building is to have a very family and child friendly building where all of these entities can function together, where it's easier for the family and, and really easier for the child to navigate what is a, a pretty complex system when you come down to it. I, I'll tell you an aside, we hand out a victim, a, a victim card to our victims when they come to grand jury and their families. 
it's got 82 numbers on it. And so you just imagine being a family who's going through a very traumatic situation and somebody handing you a card and go, now there's 82 numbers on there. Good luck. Navigate it. I mean, most people can't do that. Okay. So the concept then is, is that everything is in-house in this building to address child abuse. Correct. So how unique is this collaboration, this vision that you have, that you're founding? So it's different in a lot of ways. Um, there is the Mayerson Center, which is fantastic at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, and that's been in existence for almost 20 years. Um, and so that is a child advocacy center. Mm-hmm. There are several child advocacy centers uh, dotted throughout the state of Ohio. There is not one that operates the way Little Fork will. Uh, they do certain aspects uh, very well. Um, but what they don't have, and I think what we've learned when you start looking at ACEs, is that this is a much more complex problem than just dealing with the initial medical needs of the child and the initial uh, law enforcement investigation. There's a lot more that goes into this if you truly want to make a generational change. And, and, and that's what I think some of these advocacy centers lack. Is it's the And it's not short-sighted. It's just very laser-focused. And when you look at a lot of nonprofits, they do a certain thing very well. But to be effective in such a complex problem, you have to you have to be collaborative because you've got to unify all these mm-hmm. different sectors to make sure you're you're addressing this very complex problem. Okay, and so it again is the Little Fork Family Advocacy Center. Now you know we have the concept, you have the vision, but we have to build the building. Is that's that correct. right? That's, all right. So that's tell, that's, that's <laughs> right. So what stage are you in right now in terms of when can we see this building? come to fruition so we have uh, my hope is close to perfected our our presentation we've gone out to major donors uh several major donors initially and we got a lot of feedback from them a little more than than a year ago Um, and that's where we ended up going back to these partners and getting them involved in renting space from the facility Um, so what we have right now is the capability to operate this facility uh, where we wouldn't have to have donors pay for it. Now, a lot of the the uh, advocacy centers now are grant funded. That's not what you know. We would not be grant uh, uh, funded when it comes to operations. So now we are going out to major donors, corporations, other individuals um, to build this facility. The hope being, and this is you know, I'm comfortable in certain areas. I can talk about the justice system. I can talk about this. When you start talking about construction, I've learned a a whole lot about business (laughs) that I did not know about. Um, I, uh, the idea would be within six months, we could break ground and and start building this. And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday morning magazine. I'm Rodney Lear and the studio with me. We're talking to Scott O'Reilly. He's assistant Claremont County prosecutor and executive director and founder of the little fork family advocacy center. Now you have an event coming up to specifically raise funds to build the building, is that right? We do. It's uh, and and the East Side Rotary Club uh, here in Hamilton County has been really supportive of this. We've also got the Batavia and Williamsburg Rotary Clubs who've gotten behind this, and they put on a large fundraiser every year. And they were kind enough this year to select Little Fork as the beneficiary of these funds. So uh, Friday, March thirteenth, uh, we've got an illusionist who's going to put on a show for us. Uh, it's also this includes dinner. A couple drinks. We've got a silent auction, and it's at the Oasis Conference Center in Loveland. Um, you can get on 
I, I believe the Eastside Rotary Club's website. You can get on uh, Little Fork Family Advocacy Center on Facebook, and we've got links to all of that, um, which will enable you to go buy tickets or purchase tickets if you want. They're $75 a ticket again, but that gets you dinner, drinks. It also gets you tickets to the show. So um, it's really just a, a, a good night out to what I believe will support a really worthwhile cause. All right. An illusionist? What is that about? <laughs> so, so it's it's funny because I'll be walking in there with, you know, it, he's also says he's a mind reader. So uh, it, it could be, uh, his name's Daniel Schaefer. Um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what the show's going to be like. I was, I was picturing sort of a David Copperfield or uh, okay. somebody like that, but if he, makes, if he makes the building up here, I'll be happy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <clears throat> now, let's talk more about children and abuse, and let's go back to that, because I want to ask you this, because when children are disclosing abuse, that has to be very difficult for them. What advice would you give to a young person that's been abused or currently being abused that is afraid to disclose and they want to, but they just don't know how. What advice would you have for them? Find somebody that that you trust, whether it be a teacher, a coach, uh, you know, a, a parent that you can tell. You know, oftentimes when you're talking about interfamily abuse, um, families like to keep that quiet um, mm-hmm. because there's a stigma attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but more often than not, what happens is the abuser has been threatening the child that, hey. I'm going to hurt you. I'm, I'm going to hurt your mom. Um, I'm going to hurt the rest of your family. You know, this life that you have, it's going to all go away. So they get manipulated into these uh, these abuse situations as well. But all of these kids, and it is very tough for them to come forward. It really is tough. Um, but I can tell you that there's a cathartic or there's some degree of catharsis when they are able to come forward and talk publicly or to just individuals about what has happened to them. Because you know the secret's been just weighing on them a lot of times for decades. Um, so if you're a child and this is happening to you, try to find somebody that you trust that you can tell. And you know if there's somebody who's doing this out there, this is where the justice system gets involved. The penalties for abusing children, sexually abusing children in the state of Ohio are the most severe of any type of crime I mean, but for the death penalty in Ohio, child rape is right there. I mean, these carry life without parole penalties. And I can I can tell you in Claremont County, our law enforcement community does a good job. And if you're doing this, we're going to come get you. And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. This morning, we're speaking to Scott O'Leary. He's assistant Claremont County prosecutor and executive director and founder of Little Fork Family Advocacy Center, For more information on child abuse, you can reach out to us on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and join the conversation there as well. Now, let's talk about teens and technology and social media. What does that now mean in terms of child abuse and child sexual abuse? So it depends on how you characterize that. So I I do think uh, one of the things that we see commonly especially when you're talking about adolescence now. I mean, those of us in this room didn't experience what kids now experience. I mean, you're talking about uh, folks in high school, and I've asked school resource officers this when it comes up, is you've got sexting that goes on in the schools. And I would say, well, 
I mean, really, what percentage of their kids are doing it. And the resource officers will say, well, that's not the question. The question is what percentage are not doing it because the majority are. And that is really concerning when you're talking about junior high kids getting hypersexualized. Um, and it, that is something that we've never had to deal with before. Uh, just the access to um, certainly a lot of different types of pornography. You've got the dark web that operates now. So there's there's just things that, uh, especially when you're talking about child exploitation and child abuse, that you know, 40 years ago no one could have even thought of. Um, I can tell you, I mean, we have a, a case that's pending right now, and it's actually coming up for sentencing where we had a person in Claremont County who was – taking photos of stepchildren, including his biological son, and sharing them with somebody here in Hamilton County. Um, so that's a, a human trafficking case, and that, that's going on right now. Now, that that type of photographing and sharing as quickly as, as they can do it now, that never existed before. Okay, so how are you guys addressing that? Not, not just here, but nationwide. What are we seeing in terms of laws, and how are you guys addressing that from a prosecutor's standpoint so this is where you know a lot of times and and politicians on the whole don't fully understand the criminal justice system and a lot of our laws that are written didn't foresee a lot of the technology changes so for example if you've got kids in you know high schools sharing pictures let's say there's a a consensual relationship and they're sharing pictures of one another the sharing of the pictures is child pornography those are felonies of the second degree. Those carry um, the potential of up to eight years if that was in adult court, and it also carries a tier two sex offender registration. So that leaves prosecutors' offices in tough positions. Is if you're talking about high schools where there's a lot of sharing of this type of of uh, or this type of activity, where you can't have an enti- half a high school be registered sex offenders. So there's got to be kind of a shift in how you address this particular type of issue. So this this is where, again, talking about Little Fork, this is an education issue. This is where you have to go into the schools and you've got to educate those kids about the negative consequences of what they're doing, especially at young ages. Um, and it's not necessarily where the justice system has to come in and address all of those specific issues, but I'm talking specifically about you know sexting and things like that. Uh, not talking about the, the the real family abuse, the, the things that are going on there. Okay. All right. So, you know, you're, you're passionate about helping um, children who have been abused. But what do you tell other people, you know, for the everyday person that's listening to this um, this broadcast, how do we help children that are being abused? So I've thought about this a lot. So I guess, and I'll tell kind of a personal story here, because I think this is how collectively we can help. Um so I'm a father of three kids. Uh, I was was married um, about six years ago now. My, my wife was diagnosed with terminal cancer. She passed away in January of 2016. I will tell you that what was so helpful to me is I had St. Mary's in Hyde Park. I had a wonderful church. I have a wonderful family. I have wonderful friends. I had the financial stability to address such a traumatic event, but I had that safety net to help me, um, to help me get through something like that. Now that's not the same as a child who's been abused for decades. I mean, that, that, that is its own animal. 
But the concept is the same, is that when you talk about how you can help a child, help a family, is looking at it at a place like Little Fork, is you can take that child, and if you're going to help provide that safety net, that that assistance for that kid, you can change that generational outcome. You don't have to repeat that same cycle where, you know, that kid, if you don't help support that kid, you don't help support that family and have them just have a lot of, a lot of times it's basic needs, basic medical care. I mean, a lot of the kids that I deal with, you're talking about kids who don't go see the doctor, don't go to the dentist. And there's obvious reasons why. I mean, if you're getting abused at home, you think the abuser is going to want you to go see the doctor, go see the dentist, you know, a lot of times even go to school. So if this trauma, this this comes out, this is where us collectively have to help support those kids and those families. All right. So, again, you have an event coming up. It's March. March 13th, Friday, March 13th. It's at the Oasis Conference Center in Loveland. Um, again, it's, it's with Daniel Schaefer, a mind reader, illusionist, David Copperfield-esque individual. <laughs> so this includes dinner, drinks. We're going to have... Uh, some major raffle items. Uh, I will tell you that Sheree um, uh, Palello from Channel 5 and uh, Mike Dardis are going to co MC the event. So okay. both of those TV personalities will be there. Um, you go to eventbrite.com. That's eventbrite, E V E N T B R I T E.com and search mind reader so (laughs) yeah it could be uh i think it'll be a quite an entertaining evening and really it's it's going to support a great cause okay and it will support little fork family advocacy center and the building of the building the building of the building yes the the building of the building correct all right all right well thank you so much scott i really appreciate you taking time to tell us about this new facility and about the work that you're doing thank you so much Well, thank you rodney for having us i really appreciate it we've been speaking to scott o'reilly assistant claremont county prosecutor and executive director and founder of little fork family advocacy center Well, that's it for this edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, more information about the show can be found on our Facebook page. Visit us at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. I'm Rodney Lear. Until next week, be encouraged. Listen to Sunday Morning Magazine no matter what day it is. Use your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear today. Any workout, any mood, any time. That's what the Peloton Tread is all about. From interval runs that motivate you to go the extra mile, power walks that work up a sweat, rolling hill hikes for you to enjoy, and full body boot camps to hit your goals. Plus thousands of workouts that go beyond the tread. Strength programs, core classes, yoga, Pilates, and even boxing. Everything you need on and off the Peloton Tread. Experience it all for yourself with a 30-day home trial. Learn more at OnePeloton.com.